season two. Let us in. Okay, he's dead. Let's go get him. That's another one for the fire. Welcome to the Happy Little Screams podcast, season two. Because of everything that's happened, because of the situation of this last month, my entire life changed. Uh, now I can't do sodium, so it means all the chips and fast food and junk food and stuff's gone, right? Uh, I, I can't do friendships, so like the hanging out with people sort of vibe is gone. Uh, I, my entire life now is not dying from salt losing weight uh my daughter and my wife because that's the only you know stability to make it through these tough and difficult times but i'm not like i'm not watching tv shows i'm not really doing movies i mean i'll play some video games right now it's uh the book which todd finished the editing oh, nice. we have the cover we have all the material he's test reading it with a couple people and we're about to go to print. So we are we are at the finish line. We're just waiting for the trophy ceremony and the one or two people who buy my book. So <laughs> uh, so that's going on, right? There's all the, the getting rid of stuff, which means that I have to lose weight, which means we have to eat healthy stuff. I don't want to pollute my brain with just nonstop lights and sounds. It's a very quiet, like return to Amish kind of change in my life and a focus more on just preserving the family and staying alive to see my kids go to college uh, sort of years. I feel old saying that, but right, the book's going to come out. I'm doing the audio recording and I'm just keeping it very domestic. So it frees up a enough time to juggle the millions of things, which we didn't talk before uh, the show started is uh werewolf the apocalypse oh shit 20th edition which includes everything from 20 years of the game okay one eight nine hundred that is a fucking huge book are you reading that book and uh supplements for the book of the weirm the book of umbra and a thing to uh, called changing ways which is kind of shitty book because it's basically werewolf with training wheels and it's for people who want to understand what it's like to be like, what is it like when you're born this way and you live in this world filled with spirits and ancient evils that want to consume the earth and stuff. Uh, so I am going to be home every morning with my daughter. She's nine years old. Nine years old is maybe a little young for a bloody, gory werewolf uh, game, but I can play it up, you know, as light as I can because she's watched more than enough cartoons so the whole werewolf thing is is something so that you and your daughter can spend time together well it's a game i've always had it was my first my first world of darkness game that i got a hold of because uh-huh. i didn't get the vampire until later i got a used copy of someone's version of werewolf and i was like wow this is amazing and then we started playing vampire but werewolf was my first book so i have all these all the books for it i have a ton of books for werewolf i love the con- i don't know if you played werewolf i haven't played werewolf but i'm familiar with uh, uh vampire the masquerade which uh, so, like i said is like you said is like the supplement or whatever to it so i'm, well, I'm familiar it starts, with vampire it. is where it started and then werewolf came second technically mm-hmm. 
tech. There was a there was a card game uh, based yes, Rage. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I played a lot game. of that. That was actually oh, nice. my pre Magic game. Oh, is didn't Rage come out like two years after the first set of Magic? Oh, dude, the Magic didn't hit until like ninety one through ninety three. Like ninety, I think was where the very proto like beginning of it is. But most people didn't get into it until the early mid nineties. Uh, White Wolf was making these games back in the mid eighties to late eighties, so mm-hmm. predates it quite a few years. Okay, yeah, yeah, no that that was that was my jam. I, I loved the way the cards looked, and I was all into vampires. And <laughs> there was actually a period of time where I I believed I was a vampire. I, I dated a girl who told me she knew the Prince of the City. She was like, I'm a real vampire. It's not a game. It's like, it's that game just kind of lets people know about what us real vampires are like. And I was yeah. like, uh, this is too much for me. I'm only like 17. Have you ever thought about that? Like, like all, all these things have to come from somewhere. Mm. Like, is there really a hidden vampire or like spiritual underworld where things like changelings vampires and werewolves and stuff exist or if not were there any of those things that actually existed or were these things all legitimately some sort of scientific thing that we can now find reasons for like According to Avatar, the story of Korra, the spirits were locked away in the spirit world by the Avatar thousands of years ago. Okay, well, fuck her. Um, I mean, a lot of people would love to. That's the thing about the show. (laughs) And the fact that she's kind of gay, it just makes it even more irritating for those people. Not exactly what I meant. But I (laughs) I will take that for five hundred dollars alex you know you know um, i love talking to you is that it's fun you know conversations <laughs> are so either i'm right you're wrong but this is just fucking around fucking hey man that's the whole that's the whole reason for this so werewolf yeah, no, but, uh, is one of five games that was put out what was your anecdote i want to hear the anecdote well no no not an anecdote like i like legitimately like what do you think do you think that these things actually existed or actually do exist well, the hind lizard brain shows an instinctive fear of certain things like faceless people and lizards and stuff like that. And I think, uh, you know, genetically, uh, in the day and I, it references back to a period of evolution when the dangers existed. Uh, but I think it's a symbolic, you know, expression that's kind of exemplified uh, to a level that we make into something spooky when really it's just, you know, things out there in the darkness are scary because they're just trying to eat you and we know that we know there's lions we know there's spiders we know there's bears and fish that have teeth you know piranhas are dangerous uh so our brain just has that that fear from you know when we were lizards crawling out of the ocean that's what genetics says uh but spiritually i think they agree on the same page i I don't know the voice that is i I don't know i don't know if uh um if i missed uh there or what but are you saying that you think they exist or you don't think they exist no i'm i'm saying that what existed was something very basic the jaws of an animal biting you is the most primal jungle vibe there is and we want it to be some secret conspiracy about some supernatural when it really just could have been like a wolf bit you and you're like well fuck that hurt because they have teeth 
They must be the biggest wolf. They're not just the biggest wolf. They're the a man wolf bigger than the moon. Yeah. So you think it was just fear and, and that these things didn't actually exist? Don't know. I think Occam's, I feel like, you know what? I feel like right now you're Mulder and I'm like, Mulder, listen. <laughs> yeah. You're really giving me a scully answer. Am I old and boring now turning into scully? What the hell, Sean? Oh, so, man. So I think, I think that um, there is a hidden underworld of um of these things and the reason i think that because because i believe i I do believe in spirits i've had spiritual like spiritual as in like ghosts and things like that i've had those experiences and i've also had experiences with what would be considered the fairy realm so Mm -hmm. if those things exist in my head vampires maybe not the vampires that we traditionally think of with not being able to go out in the sun and turning into the bat and everything and sucking blood but a creature that represents the majority or at least some of those myths i think do does or at least did exist at some point i'm, I'm gonna go and say that i want to believe so i'll switch back to molder here <laughs> i i i want it to be real i love crypto i love the unknown the bizarre i love that slice of that crack in reality where you like it doesn't fit in the colors and the lines this is something unknown that that mystery question mark, which drives so many shows, so much good media, I think is something that we like, like we want to believe, even if it's not real, we still want it to be real. So I don't know, because proof thing is a problem. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the best proof that we have, like for vampires specifically, is the uh, people who were buried with the stakes through the hearts or dismembered at the neck or with the rocks in their mouth in order to prevent them from being able to come back from the dead and bite their entire uh museum setups with bars to keep the bodies from escaping their coffins and new orleans and a lot of cities yeah i mean and that and then that's the only proof that we have because i mean there were legitimately vampire hunters just like there were witch hunters and things like that doesn't necessarily mean they existed but i do believe that they or at least something similar existed and not something that is easily explained by science because the werewolf thing has been has been quote explained by science because there are diseases that cause um extra hair uh longer teeth uh wolf-like um uh body body dysmorphia of sorts um but you know there's nothing that specifically um werewolf well the the animistic side with the shamans is they believe that people could change through magic their shapes and become different there i mean history when you go through the folk tales which end up in like dungeons and dragons and other games like that because they love to use it as stock fodder for building their their mechanics you have you know the all these mermaids and siren stories of these creatures that are part animal dragging you to the ocean depth they have stories of the you know the bigfoot and wendigo and the the skinwalkers this stuff is prevalent all over the place which only goes to support your your statement yeah and and the fact that they're like in different cultures and not like because the stories uh, grow up um uh separate from each other like for instance uh, i was just watching a documentary about uh fables and they were talking about how the little red riding hood uh fable there's multiple different ones but there's a Germanic one, there's a Russian one, there's a uh, an Arabic one that are so similar in the way the story is told 
And some of them date back so far. And, and, and the times that they were dated as far as when they were originally told were times when there was no communication between those different cultures. So these things like the, the big bad wolf had to be a werewolf of some sort must have existed because there's always that character uh, character in it. So we, we have the same problem with the Bible. And the problem the with Bible's the Bible is fake though. The problem with the Bible <laughs> is that the story is passed on from one person to another and everybody makes their own little changes in the version that yes. they tell. And so we take things that are sometimes symbolic and sometimes literal and confuse the line between them. Yep. And there is there is a these key primal things. I, I guess if you want to use modern terms, we could go with tropes. There are certain tropes that are they're things that actually happen in real life all the time. And these are codified in all our stories. The idea of fear, the idea of loss, the ideas of grief, the idea of, uh, you know, monsters or manipulators or like Rumpelstiltskin, all these creatures who are constantly trying to use each other or consume each other. Uh, uh, crane wife, you know, this guy takes a wounded crane. She's like, I can't, can't see me make gold out of uh, thread but I'll turn it so gold and we can make millions of dollars. And he sneaks in on her doing it and it breaks her magic spell. And she was actually just a, a goose or a crane or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like the, these codify certain behaviors in people, the way they relate, the way relationships break down, the way predators stalk each other. Nowadays we have, you know, uh, uh, CEOs of video game companies or uh, Harvey Weinstein or Cosby who are, you know, creeping on people or stalking them or being overly abusive. And we can read that in the old days as werewolves or vampires, which uh, again gets back to the world of darkness thing is that these, these creatures are also not just supernatural elements of uh, religion and spirits and stuff like that, but they also represent human behaviors of bad behaviors, yeah. psychopaths and serial killers and rapists and and just malevolence of all form. So it's it's this fused bake between uh, what the edges of imagination are and what actually is like an everyday thing. Um, all our horror movies, the slasher films, the hitchhiker. Why is there always hitchhiker films? We're afraid of hitchhikers. That's that's fair. That's fair. And, and I hope that that's I hope that everything that you just said is not true, um, because it, it makes 100 percent sense uh, that whatever it is that should be feared or that we're afraid of, like, for instance, almost all these things live in the dark or live in the woods, which are two wow. things that are unknown to us. So if they don't exist, it's a way of a explaining our fear of them and b keeping children from going into these things, which we ourselves fear. Right. Makes 100 percent sense. But I really, really I guess I'll use your term before uh, your your term from before. I want to believe I want these things to be real. I want there to be a vampire. I want there to be a, a mothman and things like that. You know, well, let's let's play devil's advocate here. OK, in, in a hypothetical uh, sense of the the logistics across the board, if we set the board up, imagine that that the supernatural is real there's a demon there's a werewolf there's a vampire so if there's a real property involved there the human reaction to it can be varied and then the human reaction tells that story that that happened you tell your friends they tell their kids their kids tell their generations down the line 
those stories then impart into what was real, the human part of it, which is we to step back and, and try to paint a broader picture that we humanize animals. We get home. We're like, oh, the dog's saying this or the dog's behaving like this because I'm yeah, a human. Yeah. And I think the animal is saying words because I anthropomorphize it. The same we do with animate objects. We're like the tree or the rock or the car. You know, we call cars and boats ladies and queens and girls, her majesty. Uh, <laughs> we project our human self onto things. It's part of the human condition. So. Yes. Even if there's a supernatural element involved, we then humanize the stories in our relation to that, and then it bake in our own fears and hopes. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, I, I definitely get that. But I'm. I'm just. I'm. I'm really hoping that that's. That's. I do too. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing simple. Everything's a complicated out amalgamation of a hundred different forces, and people like to boil it down to yes/no binary systems yeah that's true um especially with current culture but um speaking of complicated i totally derailed the conversation because you were telling me about werewolf and uh how you're going through that for uh to play a game with your daughter um before you go to work each day well you know weekends uh my wife's gonna play when she can jump in whoever else we get to play is invited i love to play here's the thing to set up an expectation because I, I say werewolf, you know, what is werewolf the game? Is a game about werewolves? Like, what the fuck does that mean? Are you playing like the howling? Are you playing? So in every other World of Darkness game, there's a pretty straightforward thing. Vampire is a staple, my hand and my forehead. Angst, oh, the suffering of being an immortal creature who thirsts for death, <laughs> right? It's the anxious, LARPiest, bullshit, goth kids, a hot topic, mid-90s thing. Yes. Everyone 100%. went for that. Then they made this, then they made mage and mage is like, there's a fifth dimension and we can bend reality with our willpower. So there's a corporation who wants everybody to remain stupid and here so they can be controlled. And we're fighting in a war Ooh. to awaken the populace and to teach it. But doing magic literally forces reality to try to counterbalance against it, creating a paradox between what everyone else believes and what you're trying to force your willpower into reality to believe. And that paradox can be dangerous and explosive and rip holes in the space of fabric and time, creating, allowing entities from other uh, deeper dimensions to come into ours. So it's like an out there game, right? Yeah, that sounds really complicated, but really cool too, because I never and really thought about that. They built for vampires to be a social creatures in the cities controlling armies and hiding away because they're so vulnerable to everything uh werewolves in the forest fighting stuff and mages you know doing magic shit to ascend all of humanity to the next layer of vibrational reality and then they added to that two outcast which was changeling where you are a essentially a fairy spirit escaped from the fairylands that merged into a child when they were young and now you you're powered by imagination and so whereas like for example in reality you would see a guy with a trash can on with a giant stick fighting a buick but in the magical side of reality, he's Sir George fighting the dragon and an epic battle in a fantasy land. And both realities are layered on each other. Dude, that sounds and so cool. Your changeling character 
is affected by the banality of the mundane belief. If you're around kids in a schoolyard, your magic is super powerful. If you're around a laboratory with scientists poking you, all your magic fades away. And the ability to cross between the worlds of magic and the regular world is thin or thick, depending on the resistance of people believing in science, but not just science, also apathy, because the older you get, the more you're like, it's time to settle down and die. There's no more dreams. There's only taxes and hospital bills. Your changeling side just slowly withers and dies. And then you just become a normal mortal and then die and your powers so your powers are really strong when you're like full of imagination and young and hope and then your powers dwindle as you realize like nope nothing matters it's a fucked up game dude it it sounds really cool though i I like the whole idea of powered by imagination because all the characters that really speak to me from any sort of fantasy game is usually the young child with like the uh the teddy bear or the fake sword or like some sort of like magical ability or or thing to pass down from the parents but they don't know about their magical ability but it's just like it's all it all stems from their imagination just like alice in wonderland you know her going to wonderland being which is i mean you know that's like my favorite thing in the world is alice in wonderland oh yeah no i i know we gotta do alice in wonderland game sometime yeah but um um, but that i i would love to play a game of change however not with the losing the abilities as you get older thing I mean, and that's, you know, that's years and years of character development there. So the fifth game they came out with was Wraith. And Wraith plays essentially like Beetlejuice and the scenes from Ghost when he's fighting the shadow things. It is you, you, you're tied to reality by these emotional anchors, like a teddy bear or a house or a loved one that you left behind. And your soul is not in the real world. You are in this like dark, broken mirror version of reality, kind of like the Frighteners too, where it's the the emotional imprint of everything left after death. And so the weapons you find in the game are what people had emotions for. So you're like, somebody may love a gun, but they didn't love their bullets. So you'll find a gun, but just no bullets. So everything returns to Roman imperialism where you're running around with armor and shields and they're building empires of roving souls who capture and enslave other souls. And if they don't work in the mines or become a soldier in the army, then they get put to the forge where their soul is pounded into a coin and the monetary unit of the soul world is soul coins made of people who went against the empire. That is a weird form of slave labor. Yeah. Um, you are forced to become eternal currency. <laughs> well, if you, that's the, the imperial side is the money they use are the prisoners who didn't obey the rules in their empire that they built this necropolis of the dead to try to build a new life there when you're like you're meanwhile you have a shadow spirit inside you so when you make a wraith character you have to have two characters you have to have your character and the evil spirit voice inside you that whispers to try to ruin your life because the spirit's job and this is played by a separate player or the dm is to constantly try to tempt you into doing bad things and to tell you that everything is meaningless, which leads you through the afterlife into uh, the dark labyrinth 
And at the bottom of the dark labyrinth is oblivion where you basically cease to exist. And the spirit, the, the specter, they're trying to turn you into an evil spirit so you can destroy other spirits and then unexist. So with the way you're explaining these, it sounds like it's kind of a linear game system rather than like the D&D system, which no. is very open world. No, it's it's open world. But what I'm saying is these are these are forces that are operating within the cosmology. You're still trying to do like, you know, Beetlejuice. You're still trying to like, oh, this is a house. I don't want these people living here. My my wife married a new guy, but he's a drug dealer. Like you're still doing very human stories about pain and suffering and grief of being a soul trying to go back to the living world and reach through and manipulate things. There's even a way to find a body and crawl into it and become basically the crow. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's you come cool. back with a vengeance and the vengeance drives you to complete a goal and allows you to be alive as long as you're completing that goal. Did I tell you that The Crow was the movie that um, made me decide I wanted to be a filmmaker? Mm. The actor dies and you were like, shit, I got to get well, into this business. I had no idea about it. It was actually oh, almost no. like five to ten years oh, later no. before I realized that Brandon Lee had been killed on that set. I'm sorry. That was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Well, that's just because guns on set and bullets are a currently relevant thing with the shooting yeah. in on Rust. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, my dad took me out to the Dollar Theater. We, we drove oh, all the nice. way out to Jersey. Which my dad didn't do usually. I don't remember why we were out there. He probably had a job or something he had to do out there. My dad sold advertising in like different uh, different counties and shit like that. But anyway, he took me out there. Um, I went to see the movie. I went to see the movie by myself. I remember this very clearly. Um, and I wanted to see the movie just because I thought it was really cool the way the makeup was done. Because I had just, um, I had been a Kiss fan. And I had I had uh, also Explains I think everything. this was right after I found out about the insane clown posse. It's either right after or right before. Mm. So I really liked the way the character looked. So I went and I watched the movie, and I remember it gave me so many different emotions throughout it. Like I was excited, I was sad. Like it was it was just so well done in the visuals and everything. And as soon as I walked out of there, I told my dad I did not want to be a computer programmer. I wanted to be a film major. Mm. I remember that very clearly. That here very you clear. are. Yeah. Climbing all the way to the top. Yeah, definitely. Still climbing. Still climbing. Still climbing. <laughs> Thankfully, so, now I'm on the uh the Warner lot for the next couple months. So that'll be that'll be nice. So I'll just I'll just brief the rest because I don't want to spend the next hour talking about this shit. <laughs> mm. uh, they release a hunter book, which is normal humans that have abilities to counter all the other settings. Okay. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, you have a demon book, you have a mummy book, and the mummies and demons are dealing with, you know, what you'd expect. Mummies are like, oh, there's an ancient Egyptian curse, blah, blah, blah. I've got to be a mummy. And then there's, you know, the demons is just like, well, God hates you, and the angels are all coming to kill you. But you're just like, it wasn't my fault there was a war in heaven. Uh, so they release all these books. I mean, each of them, you notice this theme, right? Vampire is very angsty. Mage is like, oh, reality is not real, man. And uh, changelings, like, you know, everything gets depressing. So you got to fight for your imagination. They're all very, like, kind of uh, uh, subtle books because you don't want to reveal yourself the world. Well, Werewolf is the com complete outlier, other direction. Werewolf is Power Rangers captain planet 
except for the Power Rangers don't suit up into big mechazords. They become nine foot tall killing machines who are the literal tears of Gaia, uh, which the planet itself is uh, having a war with her three creations. She created uh, the wild to create life. She created the spider weaver to bind the wife uh, life into patterns and create you know structure and then the worm to devour what was had already passed its time and the three form a perfect circle so the problem birth, life and death yes the problem is that the weaver got tired of the worm eating all the shit it made it's like i'm trying to create order and you keep wrecking it so they tied the weaver up and wouldn't let him do its job the one thing it was built for was to take out that which had gone too far and so the weaver goes too far and doesn't get stopped and the worm goes crazy and decides to eat everything so the game is centered around the apocalypse which is the worm it drives oil spills and mass shootings and pollution and everything corrupt about corporations and landfills and McDonald's. And they're trying to purposefully turn everybody corrupt and evil. The weaver is trying to turn all the monkeys, the humans into, uh, you know, it's webs of cities, cities and politics and structures. And the werewolves are like, I'm fucking angry and I want to burn it all down. So you play eco-terrorists who are like walking nuclear bombs, rolling up into corporations like Resident Evil style umbrella, who are willingly trying to use demons to pollute children and the oceans and the skies while the spider sits back and rubs its little clicks together and laughs. So... Interesting. So each one of those species, so it sounds like they give a new book, basically like a DLC of every new species that's going to be in this universe. And it seems like each one is um, allied with a, with one of the three, because it sounds like the werewolves are allied with the worm because they want to destroy things. It sounds like the changelings um, are with uh, the wild because changelings are a fairy thing and the wild is the fairy thing. Um, the vampires sound like it's with the weaver because the weaver wants to continue going for whatever. And then the, well, they have worm, worm taint. They're seen as cruel because they're, they're not alive. They're like a, a middle finger to death, which means they're corrupt. Yeah. They're but against they're, but the they're, equation of but they're not, they're not being destroyed. So they're worm. They're, they're destructive, corrupt, toxic creatures. So they're, they're worm tainted, but they do work like the weaver is that they build order. A lot of creatures are like, comprised of multiple parts hmm. well i'll tell you this much everything that you've just said about this is very interesting but it makes me not want to play the game really why because it sounds too fucking complicated and no, not fun see, so that's here's the thing right each game was released to be its own thing when you play vampire you just play vampire when you play werewolf you just play werewolf and each book is set up to be contained within its own little cosmology but the rule sets were compatible so they use the same dice systems but they just all had their own quirks so when people play them mono it's fun it's like it's just a vampire game vampires fighting vampires and if there's a werewolf it's done like it's a vampire that has fur you know you use the same vampire system you're not using werewolf so each, oh, each game weird. plays independently 
but people wanted to automatically throw games together with a werewolf mage and a vampire walk into a bar and it's a catastrophe it's a clusterfuck because none of the rules are on the same power levels at all it's all over the that sounds like it would be fun so when uh white wolf had its peak in the 2000s they decided to re-release a core book called the world of darkness and later the chronicles of darkness which is a generic rule set you can use for anything but it had no setting no story it was just a rule set and then they released different settings so they had a vampire the requiem werewolf the forsaken they changed everything they got rid of all the plot and meta because there was an ongoing world conflict in the old world of darkness because each line was headed towards an apocalypse vampires were like the ancient vampires are going to rise and eat everybody the werewolves were like you know the world's about to die because the worm is eating it and the mages were like uh the technocracy has encrypted everybody's minds into like the matrix while the uh, the um, the necrotic energies are trying to like just destroy everything, so all of them are about to like this is it. These are the last days. It's desperation and the apocalypse, and they got rid of all that. They threw it out, and they're like vampires are just moody bitches. The, uh, the werewolves are just the keepers of the door between our world and the soul world to keep rogue spirits from like attacking civilization. And mage is just like people who do magic and shit. So they got rid of all the narrative. They boiled all the rules down. Everybody hated it because they love that stupid fucking bulky bloated meta narrative that they had with the old world of darkness yeah but but did they make it easier to play when they did when they boiled it down the new system is way better as a game yeah it's a much more unified easier experience that's just the fucking like don't get me wrong i'm a i'm a nerd but there is there is something to be said about those fucking nerds that will not let old shit go it's just like with warhammer so I've been I've been reading a lot of forms because they just went to AOS uh, 3.0 and people are so fucking pissed off because they they dumbed down some of the narrative. Whereas uh, in 2.0, it used to be where if you were uh, Ossiarch Bone Reapers, you had your own set of rules. If you were the Stormcast, you had your own set of rules. If you were the um, uh, Oric War Clans, you had your own set of rules. And now you still have your own set of rules, but the base rules for your command points and the monsters and things like that it's generic amongst all of them where it does the same thing. So you just choose which trait you want from a list of maybe like 10 traits that everybody can choose from. And then you use that rather than having, because they were having a problem with people taking like the Ossiarc Bone Reapers. They had, they had built out uh, five different uh, um, classes, essentially. And people only took the Petrifax Elite. And the Petrifax Elite essentially gave you a plus one to all your attack rolls. And it was fucking amazing. Like people were like running over the tournament ground, but none of the other ones were, were being used because they were slightly less. So now they've basically taken those things away and made a generic list for everything. And the entire community is just fucking livid about it. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, it's probably the same thing with, uh, with werewolf and, and the, uh, and, and the apocalypse and everything. Is- so here's the thing. First, first things first is you need a unified rule set on the crunch side. You need something that because rules only get in the way. Everybody hates D&D because a battle takes four hours. It's just so clunky. You want to get that out of the way. You want to streamline it down because otherwise you're just doing spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> 
nobody likes rules they want they want the 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 strategy they want the tactics they want like you know if i move here and i go there this will work and then they'll be tricked into routing here and then i'll win them by bursting their morale like that's what the game especially if it's a tabletop war game or something you you want to be in there you want to be in the middle of it and the rules are like this hurdle you have to get through just to get to the juicy parts yeah 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 i can i can definitely well, see, see, so so I'm not I'm not pissed off about the change in the rules. Right, right. First of all, I haven't I haven't uh, actually played the uh, the new rules for uh, for Warhammer stuff, but for me, it seems like um, so. I kind of agree, and I don't know if this is the same with uh, with uh, the stuff that you were just talking about, but I, I kind of agree with the fact that they needed to change it because although there was a lot of flavor most of the flavor wasn't being used. Like, for instance, with the Ossiarch Bone Reapers, everybody uses the Petrifax Elite. There was also the, um, I forget the name of it, but it was a really cool thing where they had this whole storyline about how um, certain Ossiarch Bone Reapers had been infused with so much anger and pain that they would explode. And their rule set was with that too, where if they died, you roll the dice and if they exploded, they would do one mortal wound to like whatever the attacking group was or, or whatnot. And it was really cool, but not very good because I think you had to roll a six. So you have a one in six chance of that actually happening. And if you lose like 10 units that, uh, that attack, you still only got to roll once. I think, I don't, I don't remember, but the point is it wasn't all that useful, but the flavor was fucking awesome for the type of uh, type of army it is. Now they're kind of generic flavor because no matter which one you choose, you're pretty much the same exact thing with the same monster story and all that other shit. So I don't know. There's something to be said for making it a little bit simpler and making it so that uh, the rule set uh, works for everyone compared to having something that's a little too overpowered and so on and so forth. Um, so the world of darkness uh, to end, to end the whole thing. <laughs> They, they create a unified rule set and then they set up a whole new meta for the setting for each of them, changed everything drastically. Uh, changelings are now you, as a kid, you got lost in the fairy world and being there for a certain period of time changes you. And when you come back out, it's just like D&D, it's nonlinear. So you could actually end up 40 years before you were born or 100 years later. And you're oh. you basically, you merge as a, in a completely new world and changed because you've kind of become part fairy. Okay, I mean, that's cool. That's really yeah. fucking cool. Um, so people didn't like it. There was a lot of outrage. Some people were like, it's way better. Some people were like, it's way worse. Divided the community. So then they did the 20, for the 20 year anniversary for each one, they did a thick ass book where they took all the rules from every book of the original old world of darkness and they mm. made a concise cleaned up streamlined version for that set so vampire has its they're they're all the same rule system because i don't know if you know how world of darkness plays i I don't actually i've never played it all you have is an attribute and an ability and it attributes like strength decks intelligence wits and an ability is like firearms driving cars and every role is like my dexterity and my firearms or my strength and my athletics. That's all the rolling of the game really is. You take those two, you put them together, you roll 10, 10 dice, 
every 10 sided dice that comes up at a difficulty number higher, say difficulty six, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 is a success. Five, four, three, two, and one is a failure. If you get one success, you generally succeed. If it's contested, then the more successes you get means you succeeded even more. And if you get more successes than the other person, uh, then you win the, the conflict. That's it. And the dice then convert to damage. So each success becomes a damage or something like that. The very straightforward system, very few rules because 90% of it is you tell a story. And then if you come to a conflict, you roll to resolve that conflict. That's all the world of darkness mm -hmm. does. You don't, you don't have to do D and D where you have classes and structures and all these meta narratives and yada, yada. You're just like, I think I could do this. And the DM goes like, sure, I guess you could call out that tree. No roll needed. And it's like, well, there's somebody else trying to shake the tree. Okay, roll your climb the tree versus your shake the tree. You win, you have control of the narrative. You Do you fall out of the tree or not? Interesting. I see, I, because yeah, um, when we were doing the D&D &D thing before, um, we were talking about something similar to this. I think actually this was uh, when we were talking to uh, Marco about yeah. the taking control of the narrative. I actually, the, 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 the more I experienced that, the less I really liked that. I like when the DM controls the narrative and allows you choices that then guide it, almost like a choose your own adventure type thing. Because right. I feel like, I feel like if the, if the, if, if I'm, if I'm telling the narrative, it kind of diminishes the excitement of what's around the corner, which as a, as a, as a player, I kind of want to find that, that like every, everything is an unknown. And right. if I'm telling you what it is as the DM, then it becomes less of an unknown and more of a, uh, will this succeed? Is that, yeah. Does that make sense? No, I get it. And you got to remember old school of darkness and even new, new world of darkness uh, was before the modern storytelling game. It was one of the, the pioneers of storytelling when it was still gaming in the eighties was still very much a, we just came out of war gaming. This is just a bunch of dice and miniatures doing war on a table to, Hey, we're going to tell a story about love and loss and there might be some rules involved. Uh, so Old World of Darkness is still storyteller driven. The storyteller's job is to come in and tell a story. And your job as a player is to do control how your character reacts to the story. Okay. So it is like what you said. It's still choose your own adventure. It's still, you know, the storyteller leads the way. Modern story games now give players much more control to be all be storytellers because everybody wants to drive. But really in a good story, there's one driver and everybody else is kind of exactly. like hanging on. <laughs> yep, yep. I don't need no drama. I mean, I want somebody else to drive. Yeah, so you, you don't have to worry about that. It's perfectly fine with the system. It, the problem is, is that they have so many different versions and rule changes over the years. They did the old world of darkness in the 80s and 90s. They did the new world of darkness in the 2000s. And then uh, about almost a decade ago, 2010 or so, uh, Vampire did a 20, Werewolf did a 20. Each of the main books got a 20th edition. And then now they are proceeding on to volume five which is going back to the old world of darkness meta 
and then cleaning it up for a completely brand new rule set. And each, because White Wolf disbanded and was dead uh-huh. and their rights went to CCP, which was the people who are SSP who do um, EVE Online oh okay okay yeah so that scandinavian country bought the rights and they were going to do an mmo with it they were going to do a bunch of things and then they realized what a hassle it was so they basically (laughs) handed it to a group called onyx path and onyx path as far as i can tell is a lot of people who used to work at white wolf and a bunch of new blood and they started doing supplements and updates to the old books And it did so well with all their Kickstarters that then Paradox Interactive, who usually makes uh, strategy games, went in and bought the the rights from uh, EVE Online people because the EVE Online people were like, we got too many pots and pans on the fryer. Well, you can have this. We don't need it. So they sell it off to Paradox. And now Paradox is taking the license because they're a video game company. They're taking the license and they're doing a fifth version of each game line, but they've handed Vampire off to Modifius and they've handed off a Werewolf to a completely separate company. So okay. it looks like they're going to have different gaming companies do their version using the same unified rule set. Huh, interesting. So that's where we are in the world of darkness. Werewolf is Vampire came out version five. Werewolf is about to come out and they're promoing Hunter. Hmm. Now, all the books are great. I love the narrative and setting of stuff, but it's it's a large field and it's hard to get into. So what you do is you pick one, one thing that appeals to you, and you just center in on that. Hence, werewolf, because, uh, you know, if my daughter's a furry weeb, she can play a furry, destructive a super saiyan werewolf running around shooting kamehamehas at dark evil corruption monsters <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a very good milkshake <laughs> milkshake brings all the boys to the yard so i i decided to make like a twin falls town it's a little mining community in the middle of a, a valley between two mountain ranges outside of civilization where the nearest highway is like, you know, 10 miles away and you have to go on these little back roads to get up to this town. And it's like a self-contained thousand person community. And she is playing the daughter of the sister of the mayor. So the mayor and her sister, who's her assistant, uh, pretty much run the town and she's playing basically the mayor's niece. Okay. And that comes with good and bad because it's a small town. So there's only one school and all the kids go there poor or, you know, the minor poor minor kids in their trailers or the rich mansion kids in the hill all go to the same school. Uh, she's playing uh, like just out of junior high into high school era. And she is secretly a pure blooded werewolf of the clan or the tribe who uh, is the leaders, the, as they describe in the book, the Harry Potters, where they, they're not the leaders because they're not like Malfoy. They're like, look at our lineage. We're so great. They're like, I get in there and I do what needs to be done and it's fucking miserable. But that's why I'm the leader is because I do the dirty work no one wants to do. Interesting. 
Interesting. When and, you when uh, you started talking about this, for some reason, I was thinking thirty days of night. Thirty days. I don't. <laughs> Actually, I don't know why. You know what? That's a good idea because the town's going to be encroached on cultist hillbillies who worship the worm in the hills. Well, there you go, dude. You've got pretty much the entire story already told for you in oh, a right. uh, hour and a half long film. Oh, gee, dude, the stuff I was writing, I wrote the plot down. I was like, just one night, just ate an edible, and I sit down in the toilet and I just start writing on my phone. And then I look, and about 30 minutes later, there's just like 10 pages of narrative for this storyline for my daughter. And I'm like, I got to tone this down because this is some David Lynch shit. <laughs> I'm like, there's yeah. a hitman, there's a, a, a corporation CEO bullshit. They're Japanese investors trying to take the property. There's, yeah, dude, you you got to remember, she's she's what nine now. Mm. You got you got to keep it the nine year old logic and not the uh, logic that you were doing when we were I'm, doing. I made the mistake. I showed her Evil Dead two for Halloween. That's not a mistake. Evil Dead two is amazing. She was laughing the whole time. She's like, that's so fake. That's just like a costume. <laughs> 